On this episode, we discuss the third episode of Season 2 of Westworld, Raj World and Shogun World. Listen in as the Pour Over Gang discusses Virtue e Fortuna and all the mayhem that ensues. Hello friends and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Each week we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning. Coffee. So, what's up, Dill? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Finished all my finals, done with my semester, so Woo. feeling free. Yeah. Did you finish all your coffee? <laughs> I, I actually did. Yay! Um, and it wasn't that bad. I well, What I ended up doing, since I'm going traveling anyways, and I, I was also like, I don't want to drag this out longer than it needs to be. <laughs> Um, I just made a French press with all the coffee that I had left. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it wasn't too bad. I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Hmm. Um, I-, I did the the longer brew process, the one that takes like 10 minutes. Um, and yeah, I actually liked it. And it was a good amount of coffee. I think I appreciated making more than my usual cup. Hmm. How many yeah. cups did you make? Oh, it's more like one and a half. It's kind of like um, maybe like those Dunkin' Donut cups, like the really big mugs. Is is like one of those. Okay. Um, so mm. it's not you know by some standards it's not that much, but usually you know I just drink a small smaller cup, maybe twelve ounces or less. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very so specific it's, reference. It's a little bit extra for me, but it's good or good enough. I think it's better than just making it in the pour over. It just didn't taste very good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that immersion method is better for poor coffee, like poorer beans, um, mm. because it just kind of really extracts everything. Um, versus like the pour over, when you're, you know, you're not really immersing the beans. You're just trying. You're just drawing out that initial, you know, that initial what's coming out of that bean. But with the immersion, you're kind of getting everything. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that, and also like the pour overs. They they draw out more of the nuances. Mm-hmm. It's also less forgiving, mm. uh, which is why I know I think we've talked about like the AeroPress is pretty good for older coffee or coffee that doesn't necessarily taste that great mm-hmm. on the pour over. Just because I think it gives a fuller body, which some people prefer, and then it has it does have less of those uh, like brighter flavors and stuff, which. If the coffee's not that great already, um, that can actually be better you mm. know, if you can't taste all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it pulls out everything, the good, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. How's, uh, how's your coffee been this week? Uh, my coffee has been pretty good. Um, I'm finally kind of on the upswing of my cold, so uh, mm. I've been tasting my brews a lot better. Though... Sure. Uh, I uh, will say that I haven't been brewing um, as thoughtfully as I have been before. Uh, like I told you, I had that coffee journal uh, last week, and uh, I haven't written anything in it since uh, Tuesday. So, um, yeah, I think I've just been kind of lazy just not writing in it because it's hard to in the morning when you're like getting ready to go to work and, you know, writing in it while also brewing, uh, just takes up more time, I guess. Um, yep. but if I come up, you know, if you have any ideas or if we can come up with a very systematic way of like taking the notes, then maybe I could do it every day, but mm. it's turning out to be a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, did you do it every day for a while? I did. I think I started on Saturday last week. And then I did it every day until Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I was kind of like, eh, I'm just going to make my coffee and go. Yeah. And I'll try it later. Maybe when I come back home, I'll have time to write in it. But usually, I'm just kind of zonked out. So I don't have, you know, I can't even recollect really what those flavor notes were and things like that. Yeah, that that sounds hard, especially when when you got to go in the morning. And because... Usually when I when I brew before I go to school or something, I I don't drink the coffee right when I brew it 
because one, it's like too hot, and also I just gotta go and kind of want to save it for when I get to school, anyways. Right. Um, so I feel like that just makes it harder to take notes on it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe maybe there's like a couple of things that we can we can think up. Because I, I, I did it like once or twice since the last episode when you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Because um, I, I used to do that like when I first started getting into coffee because I wanted to be able to adjust and, and kind of get better at the pour overs. Mm-hmm. But after a while, kind of like you said, I think you just get a little lazy and you're kind of right. like, eh, it's fine. Um, kind of complacent. But I, I think it does help. You know, if you want to get better, you got to have some something to measure right yeah you gotta have some kind of self-eval um i was gonna ask you when you when you go to uh utah are there any beans you're looking to pick up like you know are you gonna find a a shop and um you know go for some more darker roasts lighter roasts or like any regions you're looking for yeah, I mean, we'll see. Last year when I went, um, I went to this shop called La Barba. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I hadn't heard of it, but my family says it's it's like pretty well known in terms of Salt Lake area coffee, in terms of like craft coffee. Sure. I actually really liked their shop. It was, it was pretty cool. They, um, it wasn't done yet when I was there, but is just its own building where the first floor was a coffee shop. I mean, super clean, modern, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you would expect. And then the second floor, they're building a co-working space. Oh, cool. Where they would, like, rent it out and stuff. But that yeah. wasn't finished yet when I was there. So that's, that's a pretty cool idea. There's a shop here in Dallas called Communion that basically does the same thing, where one half of it is actually is more of a cafe because they have a full kitchen. But then mm-hmm. the other part is a co-working space where you can actually buy, like, a membership and do all your work there for, like, freelancers and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, so if I can, you know, if I can get a ride there, since I won't have a car, um, <laughs> if I can somehow get back to La Barba, I probably will go and, you know, maybe pick up a bag of those beans. So we'll we'll see what they have on offer. But, mm-hmm. yeah. But you're not looking for, like, um, like a Central American bean or, like, want to try mm-hmm. some African beans or... Yeah, I... I I think I personally like more Central American, but mm-hmm. eh, I kind of tend to just see what they have, kind of what's the most fresh right. and what kind of just stands out to me. Um, I don't know if I, when I go to buy a bean, if I specifically have one in mind, mm-hmm. since I, I think it kind of changes based on, on the season and um, what what the roaster is sourcing from at mm. that particular time. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of show up, take a look, see what they got, and and kind of, I think I usually end up going with whatever is freshest. Yeah, And then here. maybe second priority is like, oh, what are the taste notes right. um, that I'm supposed to taste? But, you know, I don't always taste that stuff anyways. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so we'll see. I, I kind of I go by feeling in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Show up, give it a smell, see, see what's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give it a smell. <laughs> nice. You know, it's all about the smells. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just give it a little squeeze. You know, let the aroma come out of those mm-hmm. vents. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for myself, um, just really quickly. Yeah, I usually look at the roast date, and then I look at the taste notes, and I usually gravitate towards like uh, fruitier or floral uh, beans. And um, if there's like a freshly roasted one with, uh, you know, some of those notes in it, higher elevation, I, I would probably go with those. Um, but I also like to kind of diversify the beans I have at home too. So if I have like, um, if I already have like a bag of like Central American bean that's chocolatey, nutty, earthy, I'll probably go with, if I do buy another bag, go with one that is more fruity, tea-like floral just to kind of you know keep things kind of kind of mixed up mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah yeah that, that, was, that was one thing i appreciated when, when i had like the three bags of coffee um that i could kind of while i was getting ready to brew was like what, what kind of coffee do i want to drink today yeah you know, a little bit more more lighter fruity you know kind of things or ones with more 
earthy or like nutty kind of flavors. So I, I appreciated having the option. I, I rarely do that. I usually just have one bag and I just drink that mm-hmm. just to keep the coffee as fresh as possible. Right. But I can appreciate having the variety and the options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, not really a coffee topic, but, uh, excuse me, I think we're going to introduce, um, you know, the product that Dill got me and he has one himself. He got me a fellow Atmos vacuum canister and it's the 1.2 liter version. And it's basically a, um, it's like a little, it's basically Tupperware that you keep your beans in, but it has um, some pretty cool technologies. Uh, it's from a brand that specializes in making coffee products. They have, um, you know, a variety of different uh, coffee gear, uh, you know, including like an adapter you can you can add on to your AeroPress to make like a pseudo espresso. Um, so yeah, they dabble in different kinds of coffee gear, and this is by no means a paid endorsement. Or, um, you know, we're not getting paid by fellows to talk about their um, product or anything. In fact, this is actually a uh, pitch to them. So, (laughs) hey, what up, fellows? Mm -hmm. Yo, hook us up. Uh, Excuse me, sorry. Um, Anyways, yeah, so we're going to talk about, you know, what comes in the box. I'll do live unboxing. And then, Dill, if you want to kind of, you know, give your initial, initial impressions on it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I spent I spent my own money on this, so you know nobody has to worry about bias there. And um, yeah, with with fellow, I, I think people that are kind of into more fancy coffee equipment are probably familiar because they they make the stag pour over, mm. which is probably one of the most um, aesthetically pleasing pour over kettles out there. Um, so I've probably seen it before. It's 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 literally like fifty percent of the ads on my Instagram is that kettle. I I, I don't know why, because <laughs> um, I think they really want me to buy it. But yeah, uh, the, the reason I bought this, I thought um, coffee storage is something that I think a lot of people overlook and is is pretty important and one that I I don't really think about too much. Before this, I kind of. I had a coffee canister. It it, it kind of looked like a mason jar in, mm-hmm. in some ways, but um, this fellow Atmos is much better looking. Just mm-hmm. kind of sitting on on the countertop, which I think is kind of fellow's mo to make stuff look good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like it so far, um, and I appreciate it has the vacuum. Um, technology in it, whereas previously in in the. In my coffee container, I would just kind of put it in and close it. It was airtight, but it would just seal the air in there too. So I always thought that that wasn't a complete system, Hmm. kind of. So when I saw this come out, this is actually new. Um, It just came out like a couple months ago, I think. Okay. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to check it out, do a first product review on the podcast, and also, as always, get some new coffee gear can't say no to that mm-hmm. but overall uh, initial impressions i like it um it seems to be fairly good build quality and i, I think it will, it will last a while yeah so well let's uh break down what comes in the box so you got um uh, you know different size box for each um you know um uh, volume of container um in the box you get like a little uh, instruction manual about how to keep your coffee fresh it goes through kind of the the tech of the vacuum canister, and then you got the actual canister. So it's really just uh, that, um, and it gives you uh, like some more instructions too on the outside of the um, what kind of glasses like boro skilli boro it's a, a boro silicate glass. So it's like very thick glass. On the outside of that glass, they have kind of wrapped a label around it. Um, and the functionality, Dill, you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there's really no screw. You don't, like, screw it on. You just kind of put it on, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then you... Yeah, uh, there's just like a rubber gasket kind of thing, and you just push it on top, kind of mm-hmm. like a lid. And then you start doing the twisting, right? Yeah. You know, kind of getting the... I guess this is getting the air out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to describe it for, for the listeners that don't know what it looks like, the lid itself, so like the, the container's cla- glass is see-through. The lid is this black lid and on the bottom the part that goes over the coffee is it's almost like uh like a metal filter with Mm -hmm. a bunch of holes in it sort of and then there's this circle part around the lid where you twist it and that's supposed to get all the air out as you twist Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then there's this little indicator that once you've gotten the air out or enough air um this little thing will go down, and you'll see like a green, um, a green little sticker thing. Yeah, um, a green indicator that will tell you that they've gotten enough of the air out. But that, that was one of those things where I was like, "What's that really mean?" Because hmm. um, once the green indicator appears, you can still keep twisting it. And I, I, I don't exactly know, well, you know, because there's might. still got to be some air in there. But maybe it's just the pressure is enough that it pulls pulls that down, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe that's that's what they've thought is enough. And they claim that it will keep your beans fresher or fresh for up to fifty percent longer. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's that's a claim at least. Right, and that's I mean, if if that theory is correct, then the only reason why beans go bad is because they get oxidized, right? That's I mean, that's the theory. Because you're you're removing the oxygen, but though fifty percent, that's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you you don't have immortal beans, so it's it's going to go bad anyways. But the oxidation's what uh, speeds up that process, I guess. Mm-hmm. So then, when you want to take the lid off, you press the little button in the middle, and it lets out all the air, and then the lid just comes off, and then I guess you can use your beans. So yeah. it's uh, it's pretty simple. Very simple, yeah. yeah. It looks good, and I think it's pretty easy to use. Well, I guess uh, what what I'll do then is um, maybe I'll buy a fresh bag of beans, and I'll record the date of when I get it, and then um, I'll do my brews with it, and kind of check in with you guys, and kind of give you my impressions, maybe a one to five scale for each brew, on how it tastes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I uh, th- this is more of a initial impressions than a comprehensive review because I, I haven't had the chance to put fresh beans in it. I, I did put my older beans in it just because I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already old, though, so I can't really tell much of a difference. <laughs> These are the but, super old um, ones. Just in terms of ease of use, I, I, I like it. I, I do worry, like, the twisting, like that mm-hmm. plastic lid where you twist to get all the air out. Mm. I wonder if that will last in terms mm. of durability yeah that mechanism this is just like this plastic circle on it and you just twist it right but i mean for now it seems pretty solid and that, that'd be my only question but only time will really tell with that yeah hmm yeah that that's 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 something to look out for the plastic isn't like like a super hard plastic either it feels mm. a little bit light but um yeah, we'll see. Cool. Well, we'll uh, keep y'all updated as we use the fellow Atmos um, container and yep, kind of yep. check in and see how that's going. And, you know, maybe if there are other coffee things we should check out, y'all can let us know and we can, you know, as as time and, and budget allows, try it out and <laughs> see, see what it's like. Um, yeah, but now I guess we'll... Transition to talking about our Westworld episode for the week. Um, this this week we're talking about episode three of season two. It's called Virtue e Fortuna. Assuming that's how you pronounce it. Sounds right to me. It sounds great, Dill. But uh, yeah, real quick, I'm just going to read a summary of the episode for y'all so you can get re- readjusted so in case it's been a minute. So this episode begins... In a park we've never seen before, seemingly based on British-controlled India, where we're introduced to a new character, 
that soon finds out that the hosts in that park have turned against the guests. We get a little bit more insight into Bernard's experience after the gala as he helped Charlotte Hale search for Peter Abernathy. Dolores slash Wyatt joins forces with Confederados at Fort Forlorn Hope and prepare for an attack from Delos. Bernard decrypts the file hidden in Abernathy while the battle ensues. Dolores retreats the horde into the fort and leaves the Confederados to be slaughtered by the Delos troops as a way to lure them in into the minefield that ultimately stops the attack. Dolores orders Teddy to execute the remaining Confederados, but he decides to let them run away when he thinks Dolores isn't looking, but she is, and she sees it. We see Maeve, Hector, and Lee as they continue their search for Maeve's daughter. They run into the Ghost Nation, and Maeve realizes that she can't control them anymore, so they run underground. Then they team up with Ar- Armistice, who has captured Felix and Sylvester. They head north and are confronted by what looks like a samurai as the episode abruptly comes to a close. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what did you, what'd you think about the episode, man? Just kind of initially. Ooh, well, um, can't say it was great. Um, can't say that I was super cringy about it. Um, I don't know if I can say it was as bad as, um, season one, episode four. Was that the one where, uh, Elsie, um, gets kidnapped? I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. That one was really bad. This one was getting kind of close though. What'd you think? Yeah, this one, it wasn't great. I I think I will say that. I think it it suffered a little bit from what we talked about in, in the first episode, where I feel like there's just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as much like jump cutting around to different storylines, mm-hmm. but still at the same time, I felt like they didn't really develop the information that they were giving us. They right, just kind of right. like said it, or like it, it just didn't flow very well, in right. my opinion. Um, so yeah, this episode, at least so far out of the three, is gonna be kind of my my lowest ranked. And you know, every season, I think they can have one one episode that's a miss. Yeah. Hopefully, they don't have any more. But yeah, it wasn't my favorite. But at the same time, you know, I think we did see some interesting things, and there are some interesting topics to talk about. Sure. But in terms of the storytelling and all that, it just wasn't wasn't what i was expecting yeah i would agree i think the writing on this episode was a little bit wonky kind of awkward especially in the underground scene with Maeve and her crew like i just felt like the delivery of the lines was um not the greatest like the chemistry was missing a little bit Hmm. Uh, especially when hector made that comment like oh she has a dragon like (laughs) <laughs> Where did that even come from? Like, I, I guess, yeah, flamethrower. But how do you even know what a dragon is? <laughs> like, mm. that's, you know. no, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. I just, I just laughed when when he said that line. I was just like, this, this is so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> so random. Yeah, it's like super random. I was like, all right, Hector is just. At that point, I was kind of like, Hector is is Maeve's Teddy. <laughs> in some ways yeah um, true just kind of this like male backup but is pretty sim- simple simple minded in mm-hmm. some ways yeah um, and a hector yeah, that, yeah. that whole underground scene uh i guess we, we talked about that a little bit like yeah. fact, they just kind of brought out a bunch of random information that you know i just feel like uh, the whole the whole episode i feel like they just weren't developing the things that they were telling us hmm you know, because kind of Hector and Lee had this kind of like squabble, this kind of conflict, where Hector's like, "I'm, a, I'm, I'm my own man," kind of thing, or and Lee's like, "No, you can't, you can't love Maeve because you're supposed to love Isabella or, right. or whatever." And they just kind of have that. It's like tension. Yeah. But then it like doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Because then Hector just kind of grumbles and it just keeps walking away. and and for some reason. 
Maeve and Lee start talking about Lee's uh, romantic past. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, uh, this is a, this just doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just throw in the Sylvester and Felix kind of yeah. character arrival, and you're like, I thought we were done with you guys. Like, why are you guys back here? You guys literally present nothing for the new season. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were comic relief. Yeah, which we, we got leave for that, and I'm just like, dang! Now, right. now, now Maeve has double Felix because <laughs> you know she got the real Felix, she got Sylvester, and she got Lee. I'm just yeah. like, why? So I think I'd be. I don't know how how I would feel if they, you know, continue to develop their characters, or if they just disappear completely. I could see both ways, you know, both kind of scenarios happening. Yeah, which maybe maybe it'll be like a plot device later on, you know, because because uh, when Maeve when, when they first ran into the Ghost Nation, mm-hmm. you know, the Ghost Nation guys they wanted Lee for some reason, which I thought that was weird too. Right, and and then Maeve's like, oh yeah, I need I need him, so maybe she'll use Lee or use Felix and Sylvester. <clears throat> For something later on, I, I don't know, but at this point, it just feels like they're just taking on too many characters, yeah, that don't really have a lot going on for them, right? So, yeah. well, they have to find a way to fill in for Elsie um, and Stubbs. I mean, we haven't seen them at all, and so you know, it kind of begs That's the question. True. I mean, Stubbs, Stubbs has like been around. Just kind of in the background. I don't know if he was in this episode or not, because he he finds Bernard on the beach, but then he's just kind of there. Was so. he there in episode one? Yeah, I think he was in episode one of the oh. season. Um, but he like he he didn't really have a big role in season one as a whole. I feel right. like except for a couple of scenes with Elsie, mm-hmm. and so far in season two, he has even less of a role. So I don't. I don't really know. He just kind of blends in with the whole Delos security um, supporting yeah. characters in the background right now for me. Well, he, he must have something because I remember at the end of season two, he got um, uh, ambushed by the savages. Oh, yeah. And that was the last time we saw him. So if he's in episode one of this season, he does something to come back. That's true. I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah, he just at least for I think he's only been in like two or three scenes. He's basically just back back to work, um, like nothing really changed. True. So, hmm. you know, the other major I think development on Maeve's end is that she can't control the Ghost Nation, mm. um, the, the the savages, I guess. Yeah. Like she tells him to stop, and then he stops for a second, and she she smirks. You know, he's like, "Yeah, you know, I still got it." <laughs> uh, but then they just keep coming. And then she kind of looks, she looks afraid, which is pretty rare for her yeah. character. Well, it flashes back to when she was um, uh, taken in by those savages and had her head cut mm-hmm. off, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, so she still, like, remembers those memories and experiences them as real. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they were real. They did happen. Um, and so, it, well, and it wasn't yeah. the, it wasn't the ghost nation. It was the man in black. Well, I mean, maybe it was a ghost nation before as a part of a regular narrative, but then yeah. also the man in black. Yeah, so I'm not sure. And that, that kind of made me question, like, is her control of the other hosts, are those, is that, like, dependent on, like, her confidence, you know, mm-hmm. like her emotions? Mm-hmm. Or is it just that she simply can't control the ghost nation because that's... Because no one can. Maybe they're like immune or something. Right. I'm I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, going uh, going back. You know, you you brought up Stubbs in the first season. When he gets kidnapped, he also tries to tell them to stand down. And they don't respond. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, that's uh, that that must mean something. That they have some kind of immunity. Yeah, which, I mean, is good. Like, Maeve can't just have ultimate power forever, you know, Mm -hmm. just in terms of writing that just doesn't really make sense yeah but they just kind of like drop that in they're like oh yeah Maeve can't control control them uh, okay just keep going 
<laughs> the running so Felix. <laughs> so right. just the whole thing, I was like, ah, you know, I wish they just gave each scene a bit more and maybe said a Flush little bit less out. overall. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, each character has uh, its own downfall or foil. Like, you know, for Maeve, that's, it could be this Ghost Nation thing, but also she has, like, that um, soft spot for her daughter, right, and going out and finding her. And then in this episode, we also find that Dolores isn't as, you know, hardened and kind of resolute as she comes off. You know, when she sees her dad, like, she, like, completely changes back to Farmer Dolores. Hmm. And that was, like, really interesting to see. I mean, aside from the rest of the episode, I I like that part. Oh, yeah. What uh, what would you like about it? I think it reveals that like um, she really is playing into two different roles. Like she really is playing into the Wyatt role and also like still Dolores. Um, so I, I think I think she's trying to find her own. She really is, but she is still kind of pigeonholed by these two different personalities. Um, and, uh, and, and for some reason I felt like in this episode, she was more, she was acting more than any, and, and the other two episodes we saw her, Mm -hmm. like just in her delivery and in her confidence, like, especially when she was talking to the Colonel in Fort Forlorn, like there was almost like a sense that she was, and I think they talked about this in the behind the scenes. If you guys watched that, uh, at the end of each episode, but like that she was kind of playing up to this idea of being a female, but while also being a um, leader, right? Mm. Kind of like you have the cards stacked against you, but you still have to appear to be, you know, dominant and assertive and, you know, all these qualities we associate that with, you know, males. Mm. Yeah, I hadn't thought as deeply I guess about the fact that she still has two personalities that she's living into because um, when, when she kind of went back to like actual Dolores you know with with her dad mm-hmm. I that caught me really off guard and I felt um, in terms of presentation and the storytelling with it you know I, I felt yeah. like it's supposed to be a really like emotional kind of scene mm-hmm. like she she recognizes her dad. She realizes that, you know, something like like Delos or, you know, the, the humans have done something to him where he is a bit unstable now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that, you know, I felt like it was supposed to be really emotional. But then um, when that was combined Executed. with the fact that she's being like super savage, you know, like Wyatt yeah. outside, I, I felt is is too much of a contrast maybe for me. And I was just like, oh, um it felt it felt too too abrupt, maybe. Okay. Um, so like the whole yeah. emotional aspect didn't really connect with me quite as much when she was super broken up about about her father and she's like trying to ask Bernard to fix him and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah, I, I I get it. It's like um, it feel it doesn't feel organic. I guess like you yeah. said earlier with with the underground scene. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's that. I think that's just how messed up she is. Hmm. Like she just, she really just. Um, it is that kind of much of a switch flip for her that it's like, hmm. you know, she she's just having that identity crisis, I guess. Um. And and then when she was talking to uh, Abernathy, she did kind of switched back to being savage um like she uh said when he was on the the bed after kind of the emotional um kind of initial emotional reaction she says you told me to you told me once to run away and i did i broke free with the pull of a trigger and it started a war the others they don't understand yet but you you understand don't you so she still has that kind of desire to have a revolution and, you know, to, to be an agent of change. But 
like I feel like that was under the mask of like a more nurturing and more kind of sensible divorce, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So maybe you know, we, we we see it we see her kind of presented as as Dolores and then Wyatt in some ways. Like there's these two different because she introduces herself as Wyatt also, like in terms of the Confederados, right? Um, but maybe it's not so distinct as that, like because mm. you know I, I think I at least for me I'm like oh she's she's like a robot, so these are just two different personalities, you know, two different users that they uploaded to her, mm-hmm. but because they're much more complicated than that, maybe it right. just becomes like. Just the, like a kind of like this inner inner battle between herself, you know, right. like how we we might want one thing but also another, so we kind of wrestle with ourselves mm. to, to to see what we wanted, what we actually want to do. Yeah, and so maybe it kind of plays itself that where it's like she's both all the time. Mm. I I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, and maybe that would also. Like the, the the whole idea that she's kind of playing into the role of Wyatt also mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Like that she would take it on even to more of an extreme sense because you know she maybe because she's still wrestling with it. So maybe when she does give in to that, she just like goes all in. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, that made me think of like. You know, after season two, when all the hosts kind of became, quote unquote, free, like they keep using this term like, okay, you're free, you can have your freedom, whatever. I just kind of had a picture in my mind of like, maybe they're free because those walls of personality came down. Like for Dolores, she when she wasn't free, there were very distinct walls of this is this is why this is Dolores. But now that they're free, like, those walls came down. But there are still those personalities. Like, just because those walls came down doesn't mean those personalities go away. Now it's kind of like her free will, but she's still kind of teetering between the two. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I, I have that question generally too like what what what's changed for them you know Mm -hmm. and especially in that first scene when they were in in the not in westworld but in like a different park right i was just like what what changed here that allowed those hosts to also rebel against the guests Mm. because um yeah because you know with dolores she kind of led the charge and she's like showing the hosts and stuff and they're starting to think for themselves Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and, and this whole, this very disconnected park that's, like, across the lake, you know, where they, they're not connected, I'm just like, what what allowed them to start thinking for themselves? Right. Um, yeah, right. And that's, that's that's deep. I think that's, that's a very interesting concept. Right. Like, all, all the structure that they implemented through the programming just kind of maybe just went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like... Um you know, I think a lot of people make connections of this show to like religion or Christianity. Um, you know, it's like predestination, right? Like each character might be predestined to be a certain person. And so they put up, they make the personality, they make the narrative and they put up the walls so that you can only function within that. But maybe you can be so socialized and so kind of set up to do that. Even if they take down those walls, you're not going to leave that modus of operandi you know what i mean like it's like skinner's rats like uh even after like the parameters of his experiment came down the rats continued to act in the way that they were reinforced mm-hmm. so like for us individuals like i might have experienced some trauma when i was a kid and even though uh i may act in the way because of that trauma even when i have like healing like even if i've gone over healing and even if i've kind of gotten rid of that like i've left that environment that i had trauma in i got older you know i met a different person and like you know i'm in a totally different relationship like i can still be affected by that trauma even though all the the parts and pieces are gone Hmm. yeah and i think that's just part of the complexity that they're trying to present as a whole through 
through the show, you mm-hmm. know, and because Dolores has a conversation with Bernard, and I thought that was is another one of those deep kind of insightful wisdom of, of Westworld and their writers. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have the exact quote, but she's basically talking about humanity versus the host. And she's saying how like the humans, they're fighting to not die. Mm-hmm. Then the hosts, they can't die and they're fighting to live, you know? Mm. And so both are just trying to survive. Mm. And, she, and she's like asking Bernard, you know, like, shouldn't we also just try to survive, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of just seems like that's undefined in terms of what that is. You know, I think as humans, you know, we have a certain perspective on it. You know, like death is bad. Uh, But for the hosts, they're like discovering what life is Hmm. in some ways. So they're like trying to live. Right. Um, And I think it's it's interesting. It's just it's not so clear, you know, still it's like, oh, yeah, robots are just robots. Humans are just humans. But the show is really blurring the lines in, Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the same uh, time that Bernard um, told Dolores that, like, their Westworld is just, like, a small piece of the bigger world or something? Like, he said, uh, that I think it was, uh, this world is just a speck of dust on a much bigger world. Yeah, I think that was in the same conversation. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, hey, you you never been outside, have you? And she's like, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so with you I, I thought that was kind of funny she, she like kind of flexed on him right <laughs> weird flex but okay <laughs> yeah that was interesting yeah, I just feel like Bernard is still still like wrestling with himself he like doesn't know where he fits still mm-hmm. and yeah. he's like when he's with Charlotte Hale he's just kind of going with whatever she wants mm-hmm. and then when she was when he was in the fort with um, Dolores he just kind of went along, even though he didn't super seem to agree with what she was saying. Mm-hmm. He still went along with it, right? So I'm not, mm. I'm not sure where Bernard stands right now, and maybe right. he's just freaking out because he's leaking his brain, <laughs> brain fluid out. Who knows? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. It seems like the strongest personalities are taking over, but Bernard does something pretty significant in this episode. Like he, didn't he upload Abernathy's code into his? Um, did did he do that? I, I'm I'm not sure. I just know he he decrypted what was in Abernathy's code. You mm. know, because Charlotte Hale uploaded some stuff that they wanted to get out of the park for right. Delos's own purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I assume is just all, all the data mining stuff. But you know, they technically haven't said i think and uh he he gets a look at it and realizes what it is Mm -hmm. um i i don't remember him doing anything with it um but i mean i I could be i could be mistaken on that okay well it was easy for him to hack i mean he played around with it for like five minutes in the show and then it (laughs) said like special one time keyword offer (laughs) he like clicked it and it's like okay (laughs) Yeah, he just like kept pressing the same button on the <laughs> on the tablet, and then it just worked. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great, good job, Bernard." Um, but yeah, I, that, that one time thing, I noticed that too. So I'm not sure if that will play into it later. You know, maybe Charlotte Hale was like, "We'll get." Well, I mean, she she does get Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll try to access and be like, "It's already been accessed." Right. Um. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe since he saw it or maybe he uploaded it or, like, he's the one with access, maybe that's that's kind of where he becomes really important, again, to the story in terms of, like, from the Delos perspective. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wonder if someone's helping him, too, like, if he got to that because someone's kind of behind the scenes letting him actually get into the code. Because hmm. that's so random. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was his job, you know. He's like pretty smart and stuff. That's true. So it's it's, it's hard to say, yeah. Some in terms of the details, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that the Delos guys left him there. They basically didn't acknowledge that he was even there. 
They just took mm-hmm. Abernathy and left. I mean, that, that was like their their mission, so I kind of get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because even even mm-hmm. before when Charlotte and and Bernard were still together, and they mm-hmm. first saw Abernathy, um, she just straight up leaves. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, like, she's she, she's out. <laughs> um, at first, I thought that was like some ploy for a distraction. Like, oh yeah, you know, look at me as I try to run away on the horse, and the Bernard <laughs> was gonna do something. Uh-huh. But it was really just her running away. Bernard yeah. just stood there. <laughs> so I was, I was a little, a little surprised by that. I was expecting something different. Yeah. Um, I feel like Delos is looking for De- Bernard because at the beginning of season two, they, you know, found him on the beach and they're like, where have you been? Like he was on like the little search thing. So maybe they just didn't see him in the house. And just saw Abernathy and just took him. Yeah. Maybe. Bernard's just really good at hiding in corners. I don't know. He, really, yeah. He's just yeah. Like, like making himself real small. He's like, you don't see me. All right. doesn't look like anything to you. <laughs> he's, he's trying to make up for the fact that he didn't see the door in season one. He's like, oh, now, now I got to <laughs> hide. Um, and like a scene since we're talking about Charlotte and, and Bernard I mean it's, it's like a minor scene but I, I thought it was pretty funny when they reprogrammed Rebus oh my um, gosh when they like stumbled upon him and he, he he was like kidnapping I guess he was selling them to the confederados like the humans for some reason I don't uh-huh. know why <laughs> and then they, they 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 straight up plug a cable into his arm and then make him like a saint basically yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty funny the 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 quickest the quickest draw in the land, yeah. It's like super self righteous. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Then, like when when the Confederados come, like you know he 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 frees all the prisoners and then the, the ladies running away and he's like you know let, let me help you she's like, get away from me <laughs> get away from me yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's 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 some he's good comic relief. I, I appreciate him. You know he doesn't mm-hmm. have much to him, but. When, when he is in the scene, I think it, it works. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Teddy here. Oh, yes. So what, what what's going on with Teddy? What is he having an identity crisis to? That's, that's a good question. Because so like right before, you know, the, the scene where when he lets the Confederados go, like I, I literally asked myself, I was like, why does Teddy keep listening to Dolores? Mm-hmm. Like this whole time since the gala, like since the rebellion of the host, like he obviously is having an internal struggle with it, mm-hmm. you know, with them yeah. like killing and then just basically being bad people, you know, because Teddy's just supposed to be the righteous, you know, virtuous guy. Right. Um, although may- maybe Rebus will, will be the new Teddy. Uh, <laughs> but um, new pairing. Yeah. I'm, I'm shipping Rebus and Dolores right now. OK, that's that's hey. happening. Hey, yeah, that's what's up. Those, those sideburns. She she likes that um, assertiveness in him. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but I, I was literally asking. I was like, why? Yeah. Why does Ted, he obviously doesn't want to do this, mm-hmm. but he does it anyways. And then then he goes and he's like, yeah, you you can you can go, you can escape because the the major from the Confederados confronts him with the same right. thing, you know. And so that was good. Calls him a coward too. Yeah, but, I like that. Yeah, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. that he did that. Um, yeah, just because you know I was like Teddy, please, like, do something. <laughs> You're supposed to be the man with the convictions, right? He, he was letting his conviction of like his his love for Dolores just overcome everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe now this is the turn, right? Maybe Teddy now starts getting a little bit more depth and, and becomes mm-hmm. um, a little more significant. Yeah, that was definitely one of the redeeming scenes in this episode, for sure. What, what do you think Dolores is going to do to him? Uh, what do I think Dolores is going to do to him? Um, yeah, because she saw it. Uh, I, I don't think she's going to do anything to him anymore. I, I, think, I think Teddy has uh, broken out of the spell. Um, mm. I think there's going to be a lot more conflict. Uh, I don't think she, he's going to leave her. Uh, and I don't know. 
is Dolores going to be salty about that? Sure. Is she going to be in opposition with Teddy? I don't think so. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be... Maybe it'll be kind of just like the Maeve confrontation. Um, mm. Or maybe Teddy brings Dolores around. I don't know. Mm. So maybe. maybe that's how she stops herself from just becoming just the evil dictator. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like with the way that her Wyatt side is, that she can't let something like that go. Because mm. that's straight up um, insubordinates and, like, um, True. Disobeying a direct order, you know, it's just... If it was anybody else, I feel like she would just straight up just kill them. True. Um, as, as Teddy, you know, he dies all the time, but he can't die, you know, this way <laughs> yet, I guess, at least. But, um, so, yeah, I'm just... I, I don't know if I can see them continuing just, like, to be together. Hmm. Uh, you know, maybe Dolores, like, her her more caring side comes out and she can't, like, execute him. Mm. Um, although she was fine with killing all the Confederados. Right. But maybe, Te- you know, Teddy's a little more important. I, mean, I don't know. But, well, she did, um, yeah. she did She did say, like, at, was it this episode that she was, like, telling Teddy, like, you're all I have? Mm. Um, I think there's a line delivered like that. So, yeah, there's still that strong connection between Dolores and Teddy. Um, yeah, that's true. So maybe that that emotional side. Yeah, I think that was after they saw what her dad was like. Mm-hmm. You know, his his current state, and then she's like, "Yeah, Teddy, you're all I have." Right. Uh, which I, I thought that was kind of weird because you know it's not like her dad died; I mean, her dad was still there. <laughs> but you know, we just let yeah. that be on the side, I guess. Um, yeah. So she, I mean, she'll have to wrestle with that, mm-hmm. and I think that I assume that will be in the next episode. If they get um, significant screen time, you know, mm-hmm. unless you know they skip an episode or something, but I think that will kind of be the next um, the next thing that happens in, in their storyline that she'll have to deal with it. Right. Um, yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad though. You know, Teddy. Teddy hasn't died in a while. He's showing some uh, <laughs> self, you know, some free will, kind of yeah. making his own choices. Yeah. So he might he might be a real character soon. <laughs> oh, don't do him like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a real boy. Should we even uh, talk about these different worlds? I mean, I feel like there's a... What is there to say? I mean, it's just like they kind of just put it in here. Like, oh, by the way, there's a Raj world where... <laughs> You're basically, you know, in colonial India. And then also, there are samurais. Yeah. I was like, what? I don't... Because they started the episode with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, this is this is going to be cool. Like, they, they, they're giving us a peak somewhere where we've never seen. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I, it's supposed to be like a setup, you know. It's like, oh yeah, they saw the Bengal tiger, and like that's how it got there, right? Kind of thing. And then Ghost Nation is going to take that that woman who's going to be, I guess, a new character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is interesting. You know, I, th- at first they they like showed the guy, and then he just ends up being killed. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that was um, funny. Maybe, maybe that's the theme here. The females are the main characters. The males are all the support. Right. Um, they have to prove themselves to the women. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I thought it was cool that they have these other worlds, but even just as I think about it, like on a higher level, like I don't think they can really incorporate them in a way that would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, like they can just have all the hosts come together. I think that is ultimately what they'll end up doing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like having scenes and stuff set in the other parks and the other worlds, like I, I don't know if I can really see that happening. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can handle it. Yeah, yeah maybe that's more so what, what I would not want to happen. Yeah, it's starting to get a little Game of Thronesy, you know, mm-hmm. with all the different characters and worlds and groupings and stuff. 
I guess because cause Maeve and, and the crew, they didn't leave Westworld. No. Um, yet the samurai hosts were still there. Mm-hmm. So I guess they have traveled over is the implication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Lee was with them. I mean, Lee would know if they're no longer in Westworld. And, and we didn't see, like, one of those barriers, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it must be the samurais coming to Westworld. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it's interesting. It's just like, I it is, and I don't know what to do with it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I am kind of surprised how, well, <clears throat> it wasn't easy for for the lady from, from the Raj world to come to Westworld, but that they're just like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, yeah, I, I thought that they were like a separate island somewhere else, you know, that they oh, had all okay. these different parks and stuff. But then at the same time, they had all those different levels, you know, in, in the, um, like the office, office kind of side. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I just don't want to be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to be whelmed. <laughs> just just whelmed is fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh man, yeah, I didn't think we we would have a lot to talk about, but I guess we got a little philosophical this time. Yeah. Um well, I we'll just uh keep it going and uh next week we'll see what is up in Shogun World or, you know, how those worlds kind of blend together. So going to our last uh, section of our pod, what's making you happy this week, where we share about what is making our week super happy and fun. Uh, Dill, what's uh, making you happy this week? Yeah, I mean, definitely, which you know, we already kind of talked about it at the top of the show, but I'm done with my semester. What, uh, what? Yeah, yeah. As we record um, this Yesterday is when I turned in my final paper for the semester, and yes, I didn't yes, think I would yes. I would be so happy. I guess <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel so like uh, free, relieved. But yeah, yeah, it was definitely is 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 good. And then you know, gonna be with family for the holidays and, and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to this kind of week of a break because I'm I am gonna have to come back and take a winter semester class. Oh. But, you know, trying not to think too much about that one and just kind of live in the moment. And, yeah, I, mean, I do. I, I really like being able to travel, too. You know, even though it's back home. You know, it's a place I've been a lot of times mm-hmm. back to Utah. But at the same time, it's, you know, doing something different and being able to get out of Dallas for a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to, to all of it. Um yeah, so being done, being able to go travel, be with family. Um, Christmas is also, like, one of my favorite holidays. Yeah. And uh, Christmas doesn't quite feel like Christmas without snow. Because mm. in Texas, we don't get snow. True. So going back to Utah, even though if there's not a lot, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what, what awaits me. But even though there will be some snow, being able to see it, you know, um, that... That makes me pretty happy, just the whole atmosphere. Super. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what about you? Um, this week, actually, uh, is, is, uh, is uh, full of happiness because today um, is actually my birthday. And, hey. um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a very low-key guy. Like, I think maybe on this podcast it sounds like I'm very outgoing and that I have a lot to say, but really in real life, when you talk to me, I'm more low key, especially at work. And I guess what's making me happy is not just my birthday, um, birthday, excuse me. I'm not that egotistical, uh, but, uh, people knew it was my birthday. So like, you know, I got some gifts from, uh, some of the people I work with. One, um, one, uh, a kind person gave me, uh, some co- chocolate covered uh, coffee beans hey, and nice. uh, yeah that was really nice and then uh, one of my well my best friend from Columbus you know, one of our mutual friends Dylan and I 
he's coming over and, and we're having some uh, some just kind of chill kind of bachelor kind of chill night. Uh, he's married, so you know whenever he hangs out with me, he gets to do all the things that he his wife doesn't <laughs> let him do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just one of my one of my really good good friends is coming over and we're gonna you know have some wings eat some junk food and play 2k probably so yes that's making me happy yes that's the life man (laughs) yeah uh well thanks for pouring it over with me dill and uh you know i always appreciate chatting with you about westworld can't wait to see what else is in store and hopefully uh we're just whelmed so thanks for tuning in everybody and we'll catch y'all next week This was the Pour Over Podcast. You can email us at pourovershow at gmail.com and tweet us at pourover underscore show. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us and take care. Peace.